Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. We're joined today by Mitch Ryback, an entrepreneur since the age of 19, owning 22 different businesses in 18 different industries. Currently, Mitch runs Tropical Realty Beachside, brokered by EXP Realty, with two offices and 65 agents in Brevard County, Florida. TRB has been in the top 10 real estate brokerages in Brevard since opening the doors in 2005. Tropical Realty averages 700 transactions a year. Mitch became a realtor in 2001 and very quickly became successful through multiple avenues of business, including open houses and the internet. In 2008, Mitch published his first book, 100 Mile an Hour Marketing for Real Estate, and it quickly shot to number one in real estate books. He later published, So You Have Your Real Estate License, Now What?, which sold extremely well across North America. Mitch currently speaks on a variety of subjects, including internet marketing and lead conversion, inside sales agents, mindset, expectations, and how to kick off your career in real estate, among other things. He currently lives in Merritt Island, Florida with his wife, Jeanette. They have four grown children and two beautiful grandchildren, Lola and Henry. Now, let's welcome Mitch to the call as we join our host, Tim Harris. All right, thank you for the introduction. So, I'm really looking forward to this interview. Um, Podcast listeners, folks that have been tuned into us for a long time, you know that we love to feature the best and brightest in the industry. And really, there's no better example than Mitch Ribak. And Mitch, I really appreciate your time today. Mitch is from Tropical Beachside uh, uh, EXP Real Estate, and you guys are going to learn everything that he does to be successful at, at, at a level that, frankly, I think some of you will find absolutely inspiring. Um, and so uh, Mitch has agreed to hold nothing back. <laughs> We're going to have a completely transparent conversation. We're going to be talking about all the things that people don't like talking about, and we're going to do it in such a way that the information that all of you will be able to get from listening to us today will um, be, frankly, very useful, tactical and practical, as we like to help agents. Um, you know, That's the, the fashion in which we like to deliver information. So, Mitch, thank you very much for joining me. Sure. My pleasure. I'm looking forward to this. So let's just start out from the, you know, from the get-go. If they want to send you a referral, if they want to get a hold of you, how can they do so? Because that's what they're all going to ask towards the end. And be careful of the information you give out because this will go to you know, potentially millions of people over time. Sure. <laughs> so I'll give the easy ones. It's, uh, <clears throat> we're in Brevard County, Florida, which is Cocoa Beach, Melbourne area. Um, I best way to contact me is my email, which is really easy. It's Mitch at MitchRealty.com. Mitch at MitchRealty.com. That is easy. Okay, good. So let's just jump right in. Let's just skip the we'll get we'll do the getting to know you as we go through the questions. How about that? Sure. Okay, good. Can you tell us about your daily schedule? Um, yeah, my daily schedule is pretty pretty slammed. Uh I have uh usually try to get my days booked from eight o'clock to six o'clock every day. Uh usually morning well before I get to work I, I spend my morning doing my emails before I leave the leave the house, get those out of the way, eight o'clock get to work. Um play my guitar for about 15 minutes and get my fingers loosened up so I can work. 
and um, and then I'm on the phone by 8:30 usually. Uh, you know, calling usually calling my agents and talking to my agents. I try to talk to my agents on a regular basis. <clears throat> we have about a hundred of them here locally, so I'm on the phone with them on a regular basis, just checking them out, and making sure they don't need anything. Uh, then I spend um, geez, more time on the phone with my assistant, uh, going over what we have for deals going on. Uh, and then it's literally uh, every day is different, but usually I have booked solid meetings. A lot of them are uh, recruiting meetings. I, you know, obviously bring out a lot of agents in my area, uh, and then a lot of them are coaching with my agents. Uh, some of them are meetings with group coachings that I do. Uh, it, it varies on a day-to-day basis, but it's pretty much that's what it is. Usually meetings and helping agents throughout the entire day. Just so you're clear, everyone's clear, you're a selling broker. In other words, you're doing transactions and you're also running your brokerage with 100 agents. Is that correct? Yeah. So I sell. I, I mean, I've limited my selling to about 15 deals a year. I give away about uh, $20 million a year, which is probably another 30, 40, 50 transactions, uh, just because I can't sell full-time and help my agents get to where they want to be. Makes perfect sense. You did start out selling real estate originally, so this might be a, a step back in time. Can you tell us a little bit about your uh, path to becoming such an a incredibly successful long-term broker? Sure, yeah. Uh, so I started out, I'll give you my numbers real quick. Uh, my first year, I did 36 sales my first year. Uh, I did 50 my second year. I did 80 my third and fourth years, and then I started my brokerage. Uh, pretty simple. I mean, it, it wasn't rocket science to me. I said to myself when I got in the business, I knew nobody here. Uh, I got zero training from the brokers I started at, and, but I've owned a lot of companies over the years, so I knew the most important thing I had to do is generate leads. Number one, if you have no leads, you have no sales. Uh, so I wasn't really worried about sales as much as I was about generating leads, and I've always been one of those guys that what everybody else tells me not to do is what I'm going to do because they're usually telling me not to do it because they don't want to do it. So everybody told me, don't do Internet, don't do floor time, and don't do open houses. Uh, that was a no-brainer for me, so I did my first open house uh, the Saturday after I started and had my first contract that day. One of the recurring themes of our podcast is um, the long-term, ever-increasing success comes from doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. You've just said a version of that, which I appreciate. So we were talking about the schedule a second ago, and then you talked about the fact that your schedule is booked out for you from 8 o'clock throughout the day. Um, and you, a lot of your time is obviously spent uh, nurturing um, your agents, helping them, coaching them. Who, who schedules your schedule? How is that handled? And what types of appointments do you choose to have land in your schedule? Which, and how do you decide which ones are worth your – I don't want to say worth your time, but which ones do you deprioritize? Um, let's see. I deprioritize lunches with people that just want to sell me stuff. So all my meetings that, have, that people want to sell me stuff, which is – probably one or two or three a day, those get canceled or pushed off if something else more importantly comes on. As far as agents go, uh, I, you know, I work with my more successful agents more than my less successful agents because I used to spend all my time working with my non-successful agents and realized that I was really not helping my successful agents become more successful. So I kind of flip-flopped that now. And, and if you're a non-producing agent and want my time, uh, it's only if I have people, uh, you know, no, none of my experienced agents need help because the newer agents don't generally want to work, and I don't have patience for that. So that's very interesting, and that's very insightful. I hope uh, everyone listening who has a brokerage or a team heard what he just said. And did you go through – that sounds like a painful learning process that got you to that. It was. It to was. That, yes. Well, well I'll tell you what happened. My, my, yeah. 
Yeah, my my agents came to me one day, <clears throat> so, and I'm, I have really loyal agents. I mean, I have a ton of loyal agents, and that have been with me for 10, 12, 14, 15 years. And um, when I was, you know, I had the real estate school, I was bringing on all these new agents, and I was literally, we were spending all of my resources were going. I had five employees that would get just to new agents, and I didn't do anything for my experienced agents. So a few of them came to me, who, you know, they're all, they're all my friends, and they said, look, you know, we get what you're trying to do with building your company, but we need you to take us to the next level. And that was a big aha moment for me is, you know, I could sit here with my 34 of my 115 agents at the time who generated all my sales for me, 92% of them, and I could make them better, or I could spend all the time with these other 70 agents that may or may not make it and probably not going to work hard enough to do it. So that was that was the big aha, that I was going to lose my top agents if I didn't put more effort into them instead of, the effort I was putting into the new agents. So if you had to drill down on the three, maybe this word's too general, but it's the one that popped in my head, characteristics between, say, an agent who you intuitively know has got what it takes. You, you just have got the experience. This person's going to go to the next level, has the potential to. I'm going to double down. I'm going to invest in that person versus someone who is just kind of waffling through. Because there is a difference. I know you know there's a difference. What would, those th- sure. what would three characteristics be in your mind? All right, so the first thing I did, I did it based on the way I, um, when I met somebody, my first impressions. Uh, so I walk out into the lobby to meet one of our uh, a new agent coming, and whether, whether it be brand new or experienced, it didn't matter to me. Because uh, I didn't necessarily care if they're productive. It's just if I felt that I could make them successful. If they're too productive and had an attitude, I didn't want them anyways. Um, so people would come in my thing, and the first thing I noticed is that they're smiling or not. And the second thing I noticed is how they're dressed. If they're not dressed professionally, I never, I didn't even give them an interview. I asked them to leave. I said, thank you for coming in, but you know, you're not who we're looking for here. Uh, we're in Florida, so we have a lot of people who think they should come to interviews just in shorts and flip-flops. Don't, don't understand that. I'm a Boston boy. We don't do that. Uh, if they're not smiling, that means that the consumer is going to see them like that too. So first impressions from the consumer is like that. And, and then the third characteristic is work ethic, but you can't know that characteristic until you work with them. So that's that's the tricky one on hiring that I found. So the the other two were huge because if they weren't smiling and they weren't, weren't dressed properly, I generally didn't hire them. Uh, I would give a person a few minutes within our conversation to smile, but if I couldn't get a smile, if they didn't have a personality, they can't make stupid jokes like I can. They're gonna they're gonna struggle in this business, and, and I want people who don't struggle. What does work ethic mean? That's something that's really there's a big general term too, right? So what do you mean by work ethic? So I'll put this in a way that's easy for everybody to understand. If I worked a 40-hour-a-week job, I'd work 40 hours a week to get my job done. When you're self-employed, you do whatever it takes to get done. So that mm-hmm. means sometimes I'm going to work – well, I'm, I mean, I'm not everybody because I work ridiculous hours. But some days, I might, some weeks, I might only work 60 hours a week. And then other weeks, when I'm really busy, I might have to work 80 or 100 hours a week. And so whatever it takes to get the job done. So what work ethic means doing what it takes. So if, if you're a new agent and you have no business going on, then you shouldn't be sitting at your house doing nothing. You should be out meeting builders. You should be out doing open houses. You can do an open house every single day of the week. Why wouldn't you? Uh, so that's what I mean by work. People that are hungry that want to be successful, there's a lot of people that want to be realtors that will never be successful. Um, they think it's a social event. They think it's easy. We all know, you know, anybody listening to this knows that being a successful realtor is a lot of work. So I personally, I've never – jived with the whole idea that only 90%, you know, the 90-10 rule, and sometimes people say 95-5 rule. And I just, 
it, fundamentally, I know that's true. <laughs> Statistically, that's true. But but still, it's hard to accept the fact that there's so many people out there that aren't going to be successful. It, is that something you're working on too? Just accepting that, or do you just do you just try to see a diamond in the rough and and help those people? What's your approach to that? And maybe I'm asking you yeah, to coach so me I'll, right now. <laughs> yes, okay. So yeah, no problem. Um, I wouldn't even charge my two thousand dollars an hour. I charge. Um, no problem. No. So <laughs> the um, so yeah. I mean, I can I can feel it these days when I'm meeting people, but I've, I've met people that are diamonds in the rough that I knew I could help. Uh, it really depends on your on your model. Like we have our lead system, so our lead system is a lot of phone work. So if they don't have a good voice or a happy voice, then they wouldn't fit into our lead system. Uh, you know, Again, I think confidence is 90% of our business. Uh, there's no reason why anybody in this business isn't making a good living. I, I don't understand why it's 95.5, but it is. But I think anybody can make do well in this business as long as you have the right guidance, the right systems, and the right um, work ethic. Okay, I'm sure many of you at this point are somewhat curious about eXp. It's something that seems to be on everyone's mind. eXp is obviously one of the fastest growing real estate brokerages in the history of real estate. Um, I'm going to save you the effort of having to do a lot of Googling and a lot of research. We've prepared a video for you. All you have to do is text the word EXP, that's it, just text the word EXP to 31996. Go ahead and do that now. Text the word EXP, well, is that a word or those letters? I think they're letters. Just text the letters EXP to 31996, and you're going to be sent a link, and you can watch a quick seven-minute video that EXP has provided so that you can get all your questions answered about EXP and take your um, – you know, decide if you want to pursue the opportunity any further. I have to say in all of our years in real estate, EXP is probably the thing that is going to be the biggest, I think, change agent, if you want to call it that, for real estate agents. There's a lot of talk about technology companies, a lot of talk about, you know, different CRMs and lead generators and all this Mickey Mouse, but nothing that I've seen, Julie and I have seen in the past couple of decades, will have as much impact in a positive way uh, on agents' ability to actually accumulate real wealth more so than EXP. It's just a fantastic business model. Seriously consider texting the word EXP to 31996. And, guys, we're talking about we're talking about sort of the rule that 90% of the people won't succeed, 10% will, or 95.5, however you want to say it. It's different things in real estate. And, unfortunately, that statistic is almost always proven to be true. Now, you just said something. I think this really gets at the essence of it, by the way. You said phone work. That's something that, and I don't even want to drill down on it because it's one of my soapbox issues. If you can't pick up the phone and you can't communicate and you think you're going to be able to get through life just basically by Instagramming and liking pages, bueno suerte. Good luck with that. So when you say phone work, tell us what you mean by that. All right. So I I don't know how much you know about my lead conversion background, but that's what I'm known for in the country is lead lead conversion. and so right now, the problem we have in our business is everybody's trying to sell realtors fake stuff. For instance, I'll give you an example, texting, which everybody wants to text now. So if you text, if you get a new lead-in, say, say you get a new lead-in on your website today, you just text them, uh, you will get about a 25 to 30% contact rate. But if you call that lead four times, you get about a 65 to 70% contact rate. So everybody's going to the simple stuff, the easy stuff, because nobody wants to work hard. But there's nothing that beats good old-fashioned old, old fashioned 
phone calls, whether it's calling past customers, uh, open houses. I mean, I spent my entire, if I did open houses Saturday and Sunday, my entire Monday was calling my open house leads, um, which is why I'd sell, my first year I sold 28 homes out of my 36 from open houses. Um, you know, so not difficult, but you've got to pick up the phone. If you text or email, um, that's chicken marketing. It doesn't work. It's nice. It's easy. You can do a lot more, but it doesn't really work. And I agree with everything you just said. I could not agree with it anymore. And so, but here's the thing that's interesting. There has been a shift in the last 10 years, and I can tell that this is a soapbox of yours too. I heard your voice change ever so slightly. There's been this shift. There's been this shift to passive lead generation, and all these goofball companies have basically piled into the real estate industry, trying to fool agents into thinking that there's a magic button that doesn't include picking up the phone, being proactive, knowing what to say and how to say it, knowing how to pre-qualify people. So what I think I'm hearing you say is if you sense an agent is going to take a passive approach, they're not for you. Is that correct? Exactly. Now, now for my lead system, you know, so I, I have two different types of agents. I have agents on my leads, and I have agents that are just agents. You know, if, if I think if they're if they're experienced and they're good people, and I know that you know, I know pretty much everybody here, they have a good reputation, and they're going to work, and they don't cost me any money per se. Go at it. I don't care. Uh, but if I'm going to put them on my lead system and spend you know five hundred to a thousand bucks a month on them to generate leads for them, um, they've got to fit into my mold, or it's not going to happen. Yeah, I agree completely. That's and so what about when you have a millennial that pops up in your doorstep and they insist that nobody wants to be called anymore. They insist that people don't like being bothered because they don't like being bothered because all their friends SMS because all their friends communicate digitally. When those folks basically do, do you even bother with the arm wrestle trying to convince them to pick up the phone? I tell them when they get off their video games, we can have a real <laughs> conversation about success. <laughs> um, no, I don't. Honestly, if someone starts going after that with me, and you know, again, if they're brand new, I'm, I'm not wasting my time. I hope, listeners, you were listening to what Mitch said about the statistics. And there's, another, there's a lot of interesting statistics that people really don't talk about. The others that are really fascinating to me is all the long-term lead follow-up systems that agents are spilt, they have to be pouring tens of millions of dollars into. And all of them have proven to be virtually worthless as far as doing. The lead follow-up systems where you guys think you can gra- grab a lead, never talk to them, dump them into a system where they're going to be getting these nice, cleverly written emails by somebody else, dump new informa- you know, new listing information. You think those people are going to pop back up, and somehow that's how you're going to build your real estate business. It doesn't work that way, guys. It never has. If you're not willing to do the real work, you're just going to struggle needlessly. And, and that's really the end of it. it that's re- to have effective conversations, Mitch, with people, to learn what to say and how to say it, it's actually really shockingly easy because it's for buyers it's the same conversation over and over again. There's like five or six things. For sellers it's like maybe 12 different conversations over and over again. You know, can you give an example of like an agent who maybe came showed up on your radar who you know maybe in your brokerage who just was so mired in the idea that it, real estate had to be this overly complicated, you know, system upon system and then you showed them how to actually sell. Can you share with us a before and after story? Yeah, I'll give you a couple of – I'll give you a really good example. So one of my good friends, Ned, uh, is one of my agents. Ned and I played in a rock band when he was 14 and I was 15. Uh, he's been with me for uh, – since 2004, so it's about 14 years. Um, and so when Ned got in the business, Ned is very, very anal, right? And, and I'm so ADD, it's disgusting. Um, and so when Ned got in the business, he didn't sell a house for six months because he was learning real estate. And then everything he learned was terrible. And then he had this belief that every customer he had to give 
a million percent, which is fine. I 100% agree with that, but you have to pick and choose your customers. So, you know, in our area here back then, you could buy a house for 50, 60, 70, 80 grand. And not now, but back then. So he's concentrating all these low-end buyers. So on the Internet leads, you get a lot of low-end buyers. It's just the way it works. And instead of referring them out to other agents, to brand-new agents or whatever, he would work with them. And he'd overanalyze every single deal. And when you overanalyze everything, you can't accomplish anything. And eventually I sat down with him one day because I love him. He's like a brother to me. I said, you are going, your family is going to be broke really soon. And he's doing, by the way, 30 transactions making 30 grand, right? Um, I'm like, Ned, it's, it's so much easier to do a $300,000 sale than a $50,000 sale. And I showed him that. Once he kind of had that aha moment, it's the same amount of work. Actually, it's a lot less work to do a 300000 than a $80,000, $50,000 house. Uh, he changes ways, and now he does. Um, he's probably doing about $6 million a year now with our average sale. His 220 so about 25 to 30 transactions. So a lot less headaches. Um, he still has his hair, so he's doing good. So that's a good so, example of overanalyzing stuff. And he still had his hair. That was a good joke. So it, you just described Ned as being your tra- classic introvert. They're getting ready to get started, wants to study everything first. That's an, something else that plagues the typical agent. I'm sure you see that a lot. You know, they want to read more. They want to join more Facebook groups. They want to go to more conferences. They want to blah, blah, blah. It just never ends. Yep. So Getting ready to get ready. Getting re- Right. Getting ready to get started, just never actually do anything or get anything done. Oh, and then you're going to work on your systems, and then you're going to work on your logo, and then you're going to get ready for a whole bunch of other stuff that you're never actually going to do. So when you're describing Ned, he was a classic introvert that needed you to help him go to the next level. Do you have – and there's a lot of conversations in real estate that you have to be an extrovert to be successful in real estate. Has that been your experience? Um, I mean, it helps. It definitely helps. Um, but you don't have to be. I mean, I've got agents that, that I have that are not extroverted, that have done extremely well over the years because they're sincere. So, you know, I, you know, I've been in sales my whole life. I've owned 22 companies in 38 years. And one thing that's been constant since day one, it's not what you tell your people, it's how you make them feel. So if you're not an extrovert like me and full of funny jokes and all that stuff, you can still survive. I mean, I'm going to do better because I'm more funny. But uh, the those people can still do well, but you have they have to feel like you're there to help them and, and take care of them. Uh, the problem I see with some people that are really introverted is in, they can't have a conversation. If you can't have a conversation outside of real estate, you're going to have a trouble bonding with that person. So there's definitely an advantage to being an extrovert. Um, but I've, said, I've seen lots of introverts do really, really well because they sincerely, honestly care about their customer, and the customer feels that. And it's even more important for an introvert to be willing to have real conversations with folks because introverts have a tendency to communicate less effectively digitally. And so they, it, for you know, between the, you, everyone has to be willing to have real conversations. Everyone has to be willing to pick up the phone, meet people in real life, not just hide behind your keyboard. Um, but introverts is especially so because you guys will be able to pick up you'll you'll be able to communicate at a higher level with folks if you're looking at them when they're looking at you especially if you uh, follow Mitch's advice at the top of the show here where you don't show up looking like you're on vacation. All right, so let's talk about motivation. Um, I get the sense that motivation is not an issue for you, but how do you stay motivated? Right, so uh, well, it's actually kind of funny. So I'll tell you the, the quickie, and then I'll tell you what keeps me going today. So when I was nine years old, my uncle was a very, very strong, uh, well-known national psychiatrist, and they did my IQ. My IQ was 96, which is uh, way below average of 110. And he told my parents while I was sitting there, 
Um, you know, he's not going to do well in school. He really needs to learn a trade because he's never going to be pretty, you know, he's never going to be that type of person, that educated person. So I took offense to that at nine years old and made it my mission to be successful. Uh, that was, so that's what started me going in the right direction. Uh, I've also, um, recently have a granddaughter who's 12 years old now, almost 13, who has a very rare disease. So for the last 12 years or so, I've been 100% motivated, motivated by making sure she's taking care of the rest of her life. So every time I get a little frustrated, I keep her picture on my phone. I just look at my phone on my screen there, and I see her, and I'm smiling at me, and I'm like, there's my motivation. So when I talk to people about success, it's always about finding your why. And sometimes everybody's why is different. Like my why now versus when I was younger. My why when I was younger was a Maserati, right? My why now is my granddaughter. So as you grow up, if you have kids, that's your why. If you want to buy a bigger house for your family, that's your why. You have to dig for your why, and that's what you need to put right in front of your face. That's why my granddaughter's on my phone, because you, we, it's a tough job. We get beat up, and sometimes you need a little motivation to look at that. And I do tell people all the time, and I just had an agent come to me last week, a millennial, and he's like, I need, I need motivation. I go, I can't motivate you. I can motivate you for a day. I might even get 48 hours out of it. But ultimately, I can't motivate. I go, what do you want to do? He goes, well, I really want to just play video games. I go, well, that's the problem. <laughs> that's exactly what he said to me, by the way. Very funny. Well, I'll tell you something. It's kind of sad, but did you know playing video games is supposedly going to become an Olympic sport? I kid you not. <laughs> that's crazy. I kid enough. you not. I kid you not. It's seriously being considered for the next Olympic summer games. I couldn't believe it. I heard it. I had to research it, and it's true. So, you know That's what, good. Mitch, you and I just might be wrong at the end of the day, but we'll just keep that to ourselves for now. <laughs> so You know what it's like? I, I, put this, I put this all to, um, you know, when I was growing up and I had a lot of friends that smoked a lot of pot and stuff like that, they never did anything with their lives. They never accomplished And they're still smoking pot today, 40 years, 50 years later, and not accomplishing anything with their lives. And I, I, I liken video games to the same thing. It's, they sit back, they do nothing, they sit in their house, they eat pizza, get fat, and watch watch video games. It's the same it's the same type of drug. It's just a drug that makes you not want to accomplish anything. It's terrible. And that's and that's a lot of the reasons why a lot of people don't want le um, legal marijuana because it does seem like a sort of an institutionalized way to dumb down your populace and make them easier to rule, but I won't digress. So um can yeah, you right. tell us a time when you lost momentum and weren't motivated and what got you back on track? Or maybe for you the better way to phrase that question is when you were back when you were uh, not on track, how you got yourself back on track? Um, yeah, so with real estate, I have been on track pretty much since the day I got in the business. I got in the business um, September 10, 2001, so obviously the next day we kind of stopped, and, and then the next day I figured out I had to make money. Um, yeah, so right before real estate, I lost, I was the first online dating service, and I lost, we lost the company during the internet bubble, um, and I lost a very large fortune, and so... To get yourself motivated after losing the amount of money I lost and stuff was really challenging. Uh, but as an entrepreneur, a chronic entrepreneur, I just looked in the mirror and said, I, what's the story? I was 40 years old. I'm like, what do I do? And I said, well, let's pick my bootstraps up and, and figure it out. So, you know, we all have bad moments. We all have bad times. Uh, I tell people I have bad minutes here and there. Uh, if you're able to compartmentalize that, then you can do that. But you also have to... Sometimes you have to go to hire a coach. Sometimes you have to go to a seminar. Sometimes you need that rejuvenation to get you out of that funk. But ultimately, I've, I've spent my entire life looking at my eyeballs in the mirror. And there's one thing I've learned about life is you can't lie to yourself if you're looking at yourself. 
And it's a really powerful uh, tool that I use and I've talked to a lot of people because we all have those moments. We all have those times that we're just, you know, life's tough. You know, you, have, you know, I remember when my dad died and I, I lost my restaurant at the same time. It was like it was the most horrible time of my life, but then I learned it was a blessing. So sometimes the things that are horrible today become blessings in your life in the future. So you just got to take a look at it and take account of yourself, look in the mirror, keep yourself accountable. And that's how I keep myself accountable is looking in the mirror and talking to myself. And you just got to find that moment. And again, find the why if you can't find the why, if you, if you don't know it. All right, so I'm going to remind all of you, you want to text the word EXP to 31996. Go ahead and do that now, and you'll be uh, texted back a link of, for a seven-minute video that answers all your questions about EXP. So go ahead and do that now. Text the word EXP to 31996. takes two seconds, and uh, yeah, we'll text you back with the video. You can just watch it and uh, have all your questions answered. And guys, the why, by the way, he's, he talked about his granddaughter, but you could have whys in, in like, for example, he said looking in the mirror, that's a great way to keep yourself honest. Well, maybe you're looking yourself in the mirror one day and you don't like the person looking back and now you decided your motivation is going to be to get in shape and learn how to eat correctly for the first, well, you already know, you just aren't doing it, listeners, many of you. And then maybe you can have a why under, for example, a physical category or maybe the why that uh, Mitch is using to motivate him is the financial one to make it so that, as he said, he can make sure his granddaughter never has to worry uh, I assume he meant financially. Well, then that creates a motivation for him to continue earning money. So if you can't uh, assess one motivating factor, that's okay because a lot of people can't. Just find uh, motivations under each of the five categories, financial, physical, spiritual, educational, and familial. Um, so let's talk about – let's pivot here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to start moving towards a more formal business conversation because that's the things that sure. agents, frankly – that's where we need to go. Uh, that's where the industry needs to go. Let's talk about – Profit. Why is it that our industry, Mitch, and um, you and I haven't talked prior to today's show ever. I don't think we've ever met, matter of fact. But the industry does not ever talk about profit. They n Teams never talk about profit. Brokerages, oh my gosh, other than just Steve Murray from Real Trends, never talks about profit. Why? Uh, because they're embarrassed by the lack of profit. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. No, that's, yep. I, mean, I can tell you, so with 115 agents, um, you know, uh, very successful volume, you know, 700 transactions a year, $4.5 million in gross uh, revenue, we would profit about $150,000, $200,000. Okay, so I want listeners to hear what he just said. That is so important, and Mitch, I mean this sincerely. God bless you for telling you the truth because we've had a number of people on this podcast before who will lie, and I don't – and I won't. I mean, I'm polite because they're guests, but I'm also going to remember that because they were misleading trying to boost themselves up. And then I've had other people, unlike you, who will tell the truth. So, listeners, here's what's really, really, really important. You're in business, assuming you're in, not running a nonprofit. <laughs> you're in business to make a profit. And with that profit, you can do things like take care of your granddaughter. With that, that profit, you can do things like take care of yourself and your family. With that profit, that's how you get rich. Rich, I know, is a taboo word, but rich is simply where your money works for you and you no longer have to work for your money. But you can't do it without any profit. So what is it – and you have, you've been in this business for – you know, since I can't believe you got into business September 10th, by the way, 2001. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> good timing. So, But as far as yeah, yeah. Uh, profit goes – have you known it, Steve? Listen, I called you Steve because I'm, I'm remembering my conversation with Steve Murray on the show. 
Uh, Mitch, do you remember uh, back before 2007 where profit actually was a conversation? At you'd go to Howard Britton, you'd go to different seminars, and people would talk about how to make 50, 60 percent margins. And as soon as the recession, 06, 07, 08, you know, and as soon as people started scaling these teams and buying leads, the profit conversation is about as taboo as taboo could possibly be. What happened in our industry? A couple of things happened. So first of all, like when I first started my 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 team, everybody was on a fifty percent split, right? Kept my overhead low, made 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 a nice profit. Um, and as the market got um, stronger in '04 and '05, now everybody comes out to your agents, well, you know, we're going to give them a ninety percent split, blah blah blah. And so that affects your profit line. Obviously, if you stop paying your high producers, higher splits. Um, as a as a team leader and a broker, I, I will be totally honest. I hired my I hired my agents based on mediocrity. I did not hire agents that were high profit because high high volume because high volume wanted a really high split. They usually cost me most of my time emotionally, uh, and I didn't want to deal with that. So um, yeah, that's that was the shift, and we're seeing that today. I mean, today you have you know brokers out there, 100% models big in this type of market will fall down completely when the market changes again. Uh, you know, so everything goes up and down based on the market. Uh, the worse the market is, the more, the better the splits are for the broker or the team leader. Uh, you know, so that's why I think it is. But also, the cost to run a business, right, and, and at least in the old school business mindset, I'll give you an example. Uh, when I had 115 agents, my overhead was 100 grand a month, right? So 100 grand a month, that was including my internet stuff, that was including my three offices I had at the time, that my seven or eight employees I had at the time, um, my $3,000 or $4,000 a month paycheck I took. Um, so, you know, your expenses are really high, and it's really hard once you stop providing all these services because you've got to compete with everybody else out there to keep your overhead low. It's, it's just almost impossible. So that, that's the reason why nobody makes profits. I was in, in New Jersey with a company the other day that I'm consulting with, and they, they – I'm not going to give you their numbers, but they're, they're working on a 2% profit margin. Yep, I've had plenty of those conversations too, and they honestly break my heart. And the the problem is ultimately is these brokers, a lot of them, and this is a great time for us to pivot, by the way. The brokers have backed themselves into a corner where they're reliant on the, well, let's be honest, not impressive paycheck that they're getting out of these businesses, considering how much money that the business is generating in terms of just gross revenue. Um, and but they they don't have any they don't really have any other choice. I mean, they're making you know someone can make. You were making five million dollars, making hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, you're you know people. I've talked with people, and so have you, Mitch. I'm sure you have. Who have these brokerages that everyone's heard of? These big fancy names, and you know everyone. Oh, you sell bazillions of dollars, and then you talk to them, and they have three mortgages on their house, all their cars are leased, they have no money saved. They are living in absolute fear of the changing market because if a production slows down. Um, you know they're, they have such high fixed overhead because of their physical locations and their fancy marble floors. And I am absolutely, uh, you know, we coach people through this last market crash, and so have you. And I'm honestly terrified by all the people that weren't in the business during previous corrections. The the, the experience that they're going to have if they don't take action immediately and really see the light that the current business models that they're following. Guys, you cannot survive on a 1% or 2% margin unless you're making like a billion dollars in actual commissions per year, not just volume of homes that you sold. All right, so I'm going to get off my soapbox because <laughs> this is about you. So, <laughs> so here's, the thing, here's another thing I su was surprising about you. 
Not surprising, but I was actually kind of impressed, to be honest. Um, you're kind of like a rebel entrepreneur. You've owned a bunch of businesses. You've been successful. You've got that spirit that I know the listeners can feel. You switched EXP. You switched your brokerage. You you gave up some an, a, autonomy, which is somebody somebody like you have to you have to live and breathe not having people tell you what to do and how you do it, how to do it. And yet you switched EXP. Can you tell us why? Um, yeah, I'll give you. And I'll give you. I'll, I'll try to do this as briefly as I can because it's kind of a cool story. So in November 2016, I went to sell my company, which is what you do when you're an entrepreneur. You build and sell, or you build and go out of business, one of those two. <laughs> and I always tell people I made millions and millions of dollars. I just lost a little bit more. Um, so in November 2016, I have 115 agents. Uh, Century 21 offers me $3 million for the company, which is a little lower than I wanted, but I was okay with that uh, since we're only making 200 grand a month a year profit, right? Um and so we get down to the final negotiation, and they want me to sign an agreement that I'll work in the office for 40 hours a week uh, for the next three years. So at the time, when I just closed, I had I owned InsideSalesAgents.com, which is my call center that we had. So I was working there 40, 50 hours a week. I couldn't do that even if I wanted to. But then the real kicker was, because I couldn't have figured that one out, the real kicker was, my final payment, so you get a little bit front, little your second year, and your final payment in your third year. The final payment was predicated on how many of my original 115 I retained. So if 50% of those agents decided to leave, then I get a 1.5 million instead of, of 3 million. And honestly, 1.5 million after taxes and stuff is, you know, paying my few little small partners I have is about 700 grand, and that doesn't even pay for my wife's shoes every year. So it doesn't work. Um, so I looked at EXP for about a year and a half at that point because I loved the model. But there was a couple of things in the way. My ego, big broker here, 700 transactions a year, well-known. I was president of the board a couple of years ago. You know, all that garbage that we feed ourselves to make ourselves feel taller than the five six that I am. Uh, and um, I went and met Jason Guessing up in, in um, New York for the Inman Conference. He was the CEO at the time. And I said, my biggest thing is my brand. You know, we've been Tropical Realty Beachside now for 14 years, 13 years at the time, and I'm not prepared to give that up. He said, you don't have to. He goes, just be Tropical Realty Beachside brokered by EXP. So that made it all make sense to me, and financially it was still tougher for me, but here was the kicker. When I came back from that conference, I looked around at my agents, and I said to them, I said to myself, I said, what were they getting if I sold the company? And I love my agents. They're, they're family to me. I said, what, what were they going to get if I sold the company? And the reality is they're going to get me begging them to stay so I got my full payout. Uh, with EXP, now I give them the opportunity to, geez, to do whatever they want. And it's been, it's been an amazing journey. We switched with 40 agents. We got rid of a lot of agents between then and when we switched over. We switched over with 40 agents. Uh, we've only lost two in the last, what, 16, 17 months now. And we now have 350 agents in 21 states. So there's so many ways we could go with what you just said. I, I think the important thing is that because um, I've been – we're setting up a bunch of interviews, right, and uh, just that you're part of a, um, an interview series. This is going to be part of a, a stand-aside interview series aside from our normal podcast, Real Estate Coaching Radio. And one of the – I have been hearing this constantly from independent brokerages, even people that own franchises who have franchise agreements that are starting to round the bend, that they want to know more about EXP. And the reason they want to know more about EXP and the reason uh, that they're they're done just doing the traditional model, which is what you previously did, is because they're not making any money and they're terrified of the changing market, as they all should be. 
EXP has created something that when I first came across it four or five years ago, um, and I didn't really it didn't really resonate with me, and I'm sure you resonate with me, and I'm sure you heard or had them approach you as well. But there's something about the model that has proven. Uh, I mean, just look at the beginning of this year. They started – they're growing so fast. That brokerage is growing so fast. It's now the fifth largest uh, – as of the, this recording, it's now the fifth largest brokerage in the world. That's incredible to me. And really what get, got me, what convinced me that this, was, this model was going to be something that was going to be the leading edge of brokerages going forward, and you said it, Mitch, was what it does for agents – because ultimately, this is an agent. This industry is about agents. It's not about fancy brands or fancy brokerages or tech companies or all the other goofy things that you know many of you guys think it is. It's about you. It's about individual agents. Enexp is the only company I've ever seen ever that's built something that is almost a value proposition to agents that's too good to be true. I mean, we, like I said, we can go in a bunch of different ways. And the last thing I want to drill down on that you said is that a lot of these brokerages don't realize that they can, if they choose to, which let's be honest, not very many of them want to, but if they choose to keep their fancy corner office, office locations on Main Street where their name's been up there for three generations and you know they, they have too much, and you said it, ego attachment to that, if they choose to keep that, they can. Um, it's just brokered by EXP and small print on the sign and on the you know everywhere else. That's it. So you can actually. And it, was there uh, when you uh, decided to join with EXP? Did you have to buy a franchise? Did you have somebody coming in and telling you how to set up your office? Did you have someone telling you how to do anything in your brokerage? Did any of that happen like it does in a traditional? You mentioned Century 21 earlier. If they bought you, I'm sure they would have made you become Century 21. Correct? Did any of that happen with EXP? No, in fact, what I told my agents when we were switching over, because they were scared. No one, no one had ever heard of EXP here in the county. We were the first people who switched over. Uh, in fact, they, I think there was only 50 agents in the entire state of Florida at the time. Um, no, I told my agents, I go, look, we're going to keep the same business. I'm still going to be the smiling guy. I'm just going to be a team leader instead of the broker. Um, I'm still going to be here. I kept. I still have two offices and plan on keeping them because uh, my agents like having them. They don't use them, but they like having them. And uh, and I said, the only thing that's going to change is our operating system. Our culture is still going to be tropical, realty culture, all that stuff. And that's how it's worked. And we've grown our tropical team from 40 to 65. Uh, we have 100 agents in the local area here on, that are part of my organization. Uh, but some of them chose to be teams within it. It doesn't matter to me. Uh, so it's really, you know, for the agents it was amazing because they could do, they could come in as a team, they can come in as an individual agent, they can come in under EXP, they can come in under Tropical. Uh, we gave everybody, you know, different options of how they want to run their business. And my job now has come from instead of being day-to-day -day dealing with stuff, it's more helping them create whatever they want to create. So I have some agents that are introducing people to the company because they understand that part of the model. I have another agent uh, who's building a team right now. I'm helping her with her team to build out. She's got five or six agents now. Uh, so all that stuff, my job's kind of changed from more like being a counselor, which is what I spent doing for the last 14 years as a broker, being a psychologist, mm -hmm. uh, talking, talking people off the ledge, to now it's really, you know, this is your business and grow your business. And for me as a broker, especially at 57 years old, almost 58 in January, I was trying to figure out how do I get my agents so they're they're – on their own. So when I drop dead in a couple of years, or if, oh, if I decide that. not work anymore, I'm not going to do that. I'm, not, I'm just kidding. But whatever. But I could though. You never know, right? Anything could happen. I, I didn't want my agents for me to be gone and my agents to be lost. I wanted to teach them. So my goal 
over the next few years before I retire at 60 years old is to teach them how to be autonomous away from me, which is quite opposite of how I've run my brokerages my whole life because my brokerage is all about them being attached to me so they would never leave. Well, so, so they don't know what we're option. talking I, I know what you're talking about right now. You're talking about basically business sense, but what you're really talking about here, oh, my God, another taboo topic. We're talking about money, people. We're talking about the revenue share program that EXP offers. And and that's sure. the, honestly, that's the thing that got me over the hurdle of, not, uh, of being reluctant to um, really understand the complete model. Once I understood that, then basically everything else fell into place in my mind. Because the two biggest problems, well, there's many problems that Asians have, but one of the biggest problems is they don't save money, and now I think Mitch and I you know, touched on it. It's because there's not a lot of profit left in the business the way it's being done nowadays. It used to be there was a lot of profit, not a lot of profit now. And so agents and brokerages aren't saying, uh, saving money. Most people in this business are maybe a month or two away from having basically being completely financially on their backs. They don't save for retirement. They have no passive income. They have no sense of financial security. Um, n most of you listening have no aspirations of ever being rich, but I want to ask, ask you to reconsider that and borrow the definition and borrow this definition. Rich is simply where your money works for you and you no longer have to work for your money. Most of you would feel incredibly rich if you had enough money coming in to cover all your personal overhead. In order to accomplish that in real life, you have to have a stock market portfolio that is producing really good returns, or you have to have rental properties that are producing really good returns. You can say, well, I have a business, and, I, and, it, and there's no such thing as a business that's basically passive. You have to manage everything. Ask Mitch if you don't believe me. Yeah. At the end of the day, what Revenue Share does with EXP, which this is really, really exciting, it's revolutionary for the industry, is it makes it so that you can literally, with um, – I, I think a shockingly little amount of effort produce passive income just through basically bringing more agents into EXP. And I know this sounds like, oh, we're selling Tupperware, we're selling this through the other thing, but the revenue share model, can you give an example? I mean, that's the best way. I need to stop <laughs> bemoaning Yeah, because I, yeah. I have a great one for you. So one, one of my agents came to me in January of 2017 before we did this. She's uh, Katie. She's one of my top agents, but she, you know, she makes 75 grand a year roughly. Um, and she said, I'm not sure what to do. My daughter's going to college next year, and I don't know how to pay for it. It's 30 grand a year. So uh, the only advice I had to her at that moment, well, let me teach you how to sell more homes. Let's double your income by doubling your sales, right? That's, at that time, that was all we had. So when we made the switch um, in uh, June 1st of 2017, I pulled her aside. I said, Katie, here's your opportunity. I go, I'll help you do it. So basically it took her her first person like her first week that came on board was a team leader who had eight other agents so she brought on this one person that had eight people under her. and then she brought on some more people so she finally hit five people let's say about three or four five six months ago so katie is going to make this year twenty eight five twenty eight thousand five hundred dollars in rev share which pays for her college education for her daughter that was her why that was her why yeah. she needed to get a few people under her so she With could do that people. she's going to make she has five people directly under her. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I've had conversations when I was preparing, when I, you know, we're, at, we're trying to do a lot of interviews. I've been talking with people that had like five people and seven people and ten people, and, they, and they're all sort of like realizing, and, oh, my gosh, I literally can make it so that I can have enough money coming in every month to pay all my personal overhead, like I said. And now this gal's using it to pay for her kid's education. I, you know people uh, that have essentially made EXP into their primary 
business, and now they're making yep. some of these folks are making millions of dollars from their revenue share because it's so yep. generous. It's so agent centric. Yep. It, it's fantastic. Do you have any other examples yeah. for us? Um, I'll give you another one, Howard. So, I, I, so I, when I do my public speaking, I always talk about the story of Howard and the story of Katie. So Howard is the guy that introduced me to EXP. Uh, so Howard cornered me at Inman, I don't know, three plus years ago now. And I was like, no, 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 right? So anyway, so I went in, when I joined, I joined with Howard. And Howard this year, because he met me, and I know that sounds egotistical, I hope it doesn't, uh, is going to make over $120,000 this year. From revenue share, so, not from selling real estate. From guys, from he doesn't sell houses. Yeah. He, he yeah. sells a half a dozen homes a year, maybe. But because he met me, he's he's personally only has eleven people under him, and but I have you know three hundred fifty. So now the funny part about it is because he only has eleven people, he's losing about eight thousand dollars a month right now. I know what you're thinking. You're very curious, especially now that you're learning more about the revenue share model that EXP offers. Go ahead and text the word EXP to 31996. Just go ahead and do that now. Just text the word EXP to 31996, and we'll text you back a quick video that explains everything you need to know about EXP in just a quick seven-minute video, and we'll also give you access to having additional questions answered. So while you're thinking about it, go ahead and text the word EXP to 31996. Do that now, EXP31996. We're, I, I want to talk about the rev model too, but I think most people will basically have their eyes glaze over as soon as you start describing right. so it. So let me let me, let, let, know, let me you, give you an easy, let me give you an easy way to explain that because it's really something yeah. I tell this to everybody. This is not a get rich quick scheme. I wouldn't. I gave up three point eight million dollars. I wouldn't have done that if I thought this was a get rich quick, quick scheme. But for an average agent, uh, and, and I always grew. I grew Tropical Realty. I did zero recruiting. My agents constantly introduced people to me because they they loved our company. So if you introduce just two people a year to the company for the next three years, and those people all introduce just one over those three years, that's going to give you up to $36,000 a year in revenue share and residual as long as they're with the company and as long as they produce. So that's if they all cap. So if they have cap, it's 18000 But you can make up to $36,000 a year doing that. So if you had money in the bank, that would be $3.6 million to generate that much money with a 1% return. Yeah. Uh, it's a really amazing number, and it's really attainable by everybody. Everybody can do it. Well, I mean, there it is. As soon as you got – and again, um, how many people just by accident, if you were to switch over to EXP, would you have asking agents, would you have asking you, why would you switch to EXP? And then you could, answer, you could have a conversation with them, but would, just like he just said, if you were to say over the next five years, let's say you want to retire out of real estate in the next five years. There's your five-year plan. You recruit, and I don't have the numbers in front of me. I mean, maybe Mitch, you know this. I'm sure you know this better than I do. But if you just had, uh, you know, you recruit five agents for the next five years, that's it. And those five agents only recruit three agents. And let's say only half of those, half of your five per year are cappers, and the other three that, and, you know, the three that those five recruit, and each of those, uh, you know, it, it, you just only go down like three levels. The amount of money you make per year is in the tens of thousands of dollars per month range because of the way that the revenue model uh, works, it, you know, depending on whether they're cappers or not. So this is absolutely a game changer for so many agents. It gives you guys financial freedom. That lets, and he, Mitch just said this, for, and I want you to really think about this. If you had asked me, I'd say even 24 months ago, Tim, I want to get to the point where I can just live off my passive income, I would have told you to buy rental properties and pay cash for them or buy rental properties and pay them off. But here's the cold, hard reality of doing that. 
A, it's not passive. Okay, there's no such thing as passive management. But B, and Mitch said this, let's just say you had a million dollars of the real estate paid off. And let's say after expenses and vacancies and taxes and whatnot, let's say that million dollars was producing six or seven, um, I'm sorry, sixty or seventy thousand um, dollars a year for you. How long is it going to take you to find? Uh, let's just look at the financial aspect. After taxes, how long is it going to take you to basically come up with a million dollars? A hell of a lot longer than five years for most of you. It, it just is a cold. It, it's just a fact. And if you think about all the other types of ways that you can make money in real estate as far as producing consistent passive income, this pretty much kicks its butt. So let's, unless you want to talk about this more, you, could, you want to uh, pivot a little bit and talk about the other advantages to realtors about, with individual agents about being with EXP? Sure. Um, so for my agents, again, what I looked at is what I could give them as an independent and what EXP could give them on a much larger scale. So obviously the KB Core, which used to be conversion websites, a huge thing. Uh, the agents would pay like $500 a month for that. Uh, that's all part of our, our small tech fee that we pay. The support is unbelievable. So right now, uh, we just have myself, my assistant, and two little part-time admin people uh, because most of my agents will go into the EXP world, the online world, to uh, ask a question about uh, passwords and stuff. The stuff that's the minutiae stuff that takes that used to take up all of our time is there. We don't need a marketing department anymore because my agents are all using the marketing department within EXP because it's amazing. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff that my agents have, and again, not to mention that they get a better split than I was ever able to give them at 80-20. My agents were always at 70-30 with no cap, 50-50 uh, around my lead system. Uh, now with, with the, you know, they're all at 80-20 uh, with a $16,000 cap. They all have stock. One of my agents came to me uh, last week and said, um, yeah, I did uh, really good so far. I've got $20,000 in stock over the last year. How cool is that? Amazing. Uh, I know. Yeah, so, yeah, so these EXP, are things that are going to help them forever. EXP is a publicly traded company, guys. And uh, EXP, I wrote down some notes of the two things you just talked about because I wanted to be a little bit more versed. So for the first transva uh, transaction in EXP, you get 50 shares with your first sale. These numbers might change, and I might be wrong. There's going to be a slide up during um, when you guys are listening to you know correct me if I'm wrong, which I probably am. But when you cap, um, which is 16,000, it's a 2.8 million in, in uh, sales volume. You get 100 shares, uh, 100 shares of the XPI stock when you sponsored agents who cap. Sponsoring an agent will get you 100. Uh, I just said that. Uh, here's the interesting thing too. This is really this one blew my mind. The Icon program. Can you talk about that? Great. Sure. So um, and the numbers are down a little bit from what you just said. They've uh, we hit the last threshold. So I think it's uh, 50, 75, and 75 versus 100. Okay. 100. Um, yeah. So the Icon program is amazing. I had two of my friends hit it recently. Uh, so high, so your cap is $16,000. So if you cap plus 20 transactions or 500,000 GCI, depending on where you are, uh, some places you can't do that here as easily, but in San Diego you do that in three transactions. Yeah. Um, if you say so you pay $16,000, you cap, you cap, and then you do 20 extra transactions, you become an icon agent. And an icon agent, they're going to give you the $16,000 you paid in. They're going to give that back to you in stock. And the stock is doing really well. We're not going to talk about the stock, but if you guys want to explore it, just drop into Google EXPI, and you can see what it's done. It's pretty amazing. Um, so as far as, like, you mentioned the technology thing. Um, you might have more updated information on this, but that's something else that really shocked me, too, is because the, this company was started by technologists. Um, what they did is they, the KB Core and some of the other uh, – you have access to Commissions, Inc., 
So I think, again, my notes are right, but also EXP Enterprise, Workplace, Facebook, Skyslope, what they've done, and I know they've added some things after the last um, big event in New Orleans as well, but what they've done is they've taken all the third-party software providers that you guys are paying independently now, and they've essentially consolidated all of them into an EX, into the EXP, EXP, EXP model. And I think, what is it, $50 a month? Is That's the total amount that an agent pays per – is that right? Yes, you pay there's um, two fees you pay monthly. Uh, it's fifty dollars a month for the tech fee, which includes everything uh, training, uh, not training models, but you, all the marketing materials and your back end stuff, uh, your conversion, your KV Core website, and then there's thirty five dollars a month education fee uh, that everybody pays, and that's for all the classes that we have, which is fifteen to twenty five hours a week of live training uh, in the XP world, uh, and then all that's archived. There's just hundreds and hundreds of hours of training. Uh, it's pretty amazing stuff. Do you, when you were uh, first learning about EXP World and you were learning about the avatars and the virtual campus and all of that, what was your initial reaction and, and what changed your mindset about it, positively or negatively? Yeah, so being being a very old millennial, <laughs> um, <laughs> I uh, I was like, what? I'm not going to do this crap. <laughs> uh, that was my first thing. Then we we literally had been on for about a week. And I had an issue with my password. I went to Agent Services, and within 15 seconds, they fixed it. I was like, "Holy!" That would have been. It was quicker for me to do that than to call my assistant and have her change the password for me. And that was what sold me on. I was like, "Wow, this is really cool." Um, now we'll actually meet friends in there, and we'll be sitting there. <laughs> it's kind of weird, but like on a Saturday night, me and my wife and another couple will be sitting there at the, at the table, at one of the tables. Uh, they'll be having drinks at their house. We're having drinks at our house, but we're having a conversation with the four of us. We're in the middle of having drinks. So That's we, uh, a weird we thing. Have a ball with it. We yeah, they it. gave me a username and password, and I poked around. And my first reaction—I'm 48, right? My first reaction was like, "What?" And then it's like yeah. something weird in the brain. I don't know what happened, but it felt uh, shockingly comfortable after probably about 45 seconds. And then it was like, you know, you're just—it's. It, I guess when you see the other avatars communicating back with you, and they're humans that are someplace that are, you know, you're having these real conversations. It's just strange how effective it is. It's it's amazing. And and I the other thing I really loved was how there's pretty much a an event or a training event, um, something about a specific thing that's happening in the marketplace. You can go to the virtual campus anytime and you can find something going on that's going to be in, it, that's going to be beneficial to your real estate. If you want to learn how to you know, it doesn't matter. Short sales, if you want to learn how to do, uh, you know, list high-end luxury real estate, if you want to learn more about, it doesn't matter. It's all there, um, and you can kind of chime into it anytime. And, uh, you know, you're conversing. I, you just have to experience it, listeners. It's it's crazy, actually, is what it is. makes me realize what else is not, cool Yeah, go ahead. Is my, um, so a lot of my agents are doing this now. Is they're, they're reserving a room in one of the meeting rooms, and they're bringing their customers in from out of the area. So they'll bring their customers into the world. They'll give them an invite to create an avatar, and they'll sit down in one of the rooms and put their MLS on the on the on the screen, and they'll go look at houses together inside the the uh, world. That's an awesome idea. Yeah, that's an. Yeah. So do you have? Did you ever have any agents that were like, "What do you mean virtual campus? What do you mean no physical?" Well, you have a physical location still, but yeah. there's a lot of brokerages that are saying, "Hell yeah, I'm going to get rid of my office, <laughs> not redoing that lease." Yeah. So, was there a reluctance, uh, or have you experienced any people that are a little apprehensive about the whole concept of not having a physical location? 
Uh, oh, sure, yeah. And, and keep in mind, I'm in 21 states, so I have people all over the place. Yeah. Um, lots of places don't have offices where we are. So right. it really, I mean, the biggest thing I said, the first question I said, well, how, tell me how often you go to the office. And generally it's once a month or twice a month to drop off a check or pick up a check, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I always tell people, you know, this isn't for everybody. Uh, this is for, I always say this is the true entrepreneur business model for realtors. Because if you're an entrepreneur and you get this model and get that you work out of your house most of the time, uh, then this is the right company for you. If you're the one that needs to go sit in the office all day and do, you know, sit by the water cooler and gossip all day long, probably not the right company. And one of the things that shares to that is I believe 88% of our realtors uh, do transactions. So to give you an example, uh, hmm. out of my brokerage with 115 agents, we had 45% of the agents never did a transaction. So 88% of all, and, that, and you know, don't quote me on that, but that was what I was told last time, which was a few months ago. 88% of our agents do transactions because we're business people. And that's who we're looking for with this company. We're not looking for a bunch of people that don't want to be successful. We're looking for people that want to be successful, and they get all this. You know, the other thing that's really shocked me is there's a uh, – I don't know how to say it without just using my own words. I'm trying to use a little bit less uh, – be a little bit less direct. It's difficult for me. But there's like no ego. When you when you're in the when you're around EXP people, there's this collaborative. Uh, you said entrepreneurial. I, I like that, but there's this collaborative sense of community where people are going out of their way. Well, when I was lining up these interviews for this series that we're doing, and I was just just getting to know all of you guys, I'm just shocked how it remind. I have actually never had an experience like it, to be honest with you. Maybe church. I guess that would be the only thing where I've ever experienced that sort of innate sense of community is in church. Other than that, I've never experienced it before. And I don't know what the heck is happening, how they're brewing that as far as the culture goes. But, man, they're attra- they're attracting some – and maybe people go in there with big egos because their previous incarnations as real estate agents, they're all puffed up you know, because of their awards and their plaques and all the rest of it. But then kind of they go to EXP, and it's almost like, oh, my gosh, these people are – they're trying to help me build my business, but not just that. They're helping me to create financial independence for myself. It's potentially generational. I mean, it's a rule changer for the industry. Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's – I'll tell you, for me, I'll give you an example. So I got a call two weeks ago from a guy who's under another guy, it, uh, Gene Frederick. You probably heard of Gene. Sure. And he said, he said, Mitch, I know you're one of the biggest brokers. Well, at the time, I was the biggest broker who switched over. He goes, what would it take for you to fly to New Jersey to meet a, uh, a company for me, with me? And I said, you pay my effort, my, my effort, and I'll go. He's like, really? I'm like, yeah. And and that's the beauty of the company because even though I got zero financial benefit from that, we all help each other. And that was what I found with this company to be my, my favorite thing. I mean, the collaboration is amazing. Uh, they're helping you, whether it be real estate, you know, to do real estate or helping people to – um, to you know, introduce people to the company. Whatever you want to accomplish, there's people that help you that have already done that. They have the eye conversations in the world. Um, I'm not sure once a month, I think. And those are people that have become their icon agents, and they sit there and share all their secrets. Uh, I've taught in the world before on internet lead generation, lead conversion. Uh, so uh, the the community shares like crazy, and that's to me, it's one of the best parts of the company. Is we all. The egos are gone. I, I mean, I, I don't have any. When I go to, you know, we're just in New Orleans for the week, you know, with the conference, and it was so awesome to see people you've only known as avatars, where you've heard their names. 
It's cool, right? Yeah, I know. A lot of people whose, whose avatars, are they look very similar. Like people are – they didn't necessarily have to be as honest on their avatar as they were, but they did. You know, they could have made themselves yeah. taller and thinner, but they didn't. You know, it's kind of interesting to see. Yeah, well, everybody says to me that they, got, they thought I'd be taller because I'm only 5'6". But my avatar looks like me, actually. I'm trying to figure out how to put my face on it so you can exactly see me, but <laughs> – so it's, let's, as we as we round the bend on uh, today's um, podcast, which I really appreciate your time, Mitch. What were the two or three things that surprised you most? I mean, you have 350 people. I don't. You can talk about the, how that math works out if you choose to. It's your decision. But you know, you have obviously you're financially independent. Obviously, you're doing very well. And obviously, you've, it wasn't an easy path for you to go from, oh, I can sell the Century 21, and on paper at least, I can tell everyone I'm going to make $3 million, even though the behind-the-scenes, you know, the way it actually works out never works out the way it seems. So you did not take a direct path to get to where you are. So what are the two or three things that surprised you most about becoming financially successful? Or do you even consider yourself financially successful? No, I'm not where I want to be yet. I'll be there by the end of next year. Um, you know, keep in mind, up until three weeks ago, I had another company, so I only worked about two hours a week doing this. Uh, in two hours a week doing this, I was able to add another 310 agents to my organization. Um, and so uh, I'm not sure how to answer that, to be honest with you. Um, you know, it, it was just one of those things where you, it was just, it wasn't that difficult. I, I wake up every day, and I have a, a purpose every day, and I know I need to talk to one or two people every day. Uh, and it just happens. Has this has, has your it. has your involvement with EXP? Because I noticed your voice changed. Has it changed your your attitude about the industry after all your time in it? Has it kind of? I mean, now Gene Frederick, he, we're lining him up for an interview, and I think what is uh, what's his saying? Oh, making real estate fun again. Is that what it feels like to you? Yeah. Oh yeah, I was the reason why I was selling the company because I was sick of it. <laughs> um, because I spent my entire you know, we were known for brand new agents, and it was such an exhausting um, business to run. I mean, it was just as exhausting. It was definitely not worth what I was making. And um, no, I, 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 I still see a lot of flaws in the industry, and that's why I'm involved in our local boards and all that stuff. But as far as having fun, this is the most fun I've had in real estate in the past five years. I'm having a ball because you know what? It, it, you know what changed? It, before I was trying to help people sell houses. Now I get to help people change their lives. It's a oh, whole yeah, different definitely. animal. That, that's the thing I was trying to explain to the listeners a second ago when I was talking about the collaboration and the sense of community. Yeah. That's the prevailing vibe that people have. They're all, it's almost like people have discovered uh, the fountain of youth for real estate in a way, and then it feels like people have reconnected with not just the industry but also with the reason they got into real estate to begin with. And I, get, I heard actually somebody else, they said this to me, that they felt like their dreams and their own personal ambitions got co-opted uh, by their ego, and now that uh, now they're on the EXP path, they, they're almost feeling like they're back in alignment with the people that they were, in this particular case, 25 years ago. I got another email from somebody else um, this morning who wants me to interview him saying the exact same thing. I think that's something pretty incredible. So um, yeah. one, one last question for you, and let me find this question. I actually sure. wrote this down. Let me find my question again. Now I can't find my question. Huh. Well, what are you doing? I'll tell you the 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 cool thing. That's, that story of Katie that I told you. That's what makes. That's why I got into business in the first place was to help people. You know, I knew I'd always be successful because I have the work ethic for it and I have the mind for it. But helping people that would never make seventy five hundred thousand dollars a year and now making an extra twenty five thousand, thirty thousand dollars in rev share, seeing her pay for college with with rev share. 
those are the things that jazz me up as far as helping people and changing their lives. That changed her life. That's awesome stuff. So you have passively generated 350 agents, and your goal – you mentioned goals. You mentioned that now you're uh, focused primarily on obviously taking care of the, the uh, folks that are uh, working with you as part of your immediate brokerage and as far as your expanded uh, national EXP team. But you mentioned goals for next year. Do you mind sharing with the listeners what those goals are? Sure. Yep. And my goal – so my goal by the end of the year is to hit 400, which I shouldn't have a problem hitting that. And my goal by the end of June of next year is to hit 750, so almost double. Uh, and my goal by the end of next year is to be at 1,500. Uh, so I'm doing a lot to do that. There's a lot involved to do that. Um, we're, we're my, in January and February, I've got several dates I'm working on right now where I'm going to fly out to different areas of the country where I have agents that are working and help them introduce people to the company. Uh, and then July, my wife is uh, retiring, which is really exciting. And we are going to hop in a car, and we're going to visit every state that we have somebody in. And again, we're going to go with, you know, help, have them help them bring on two or three or four people, um, and just go around the country speaking for three or four months. Uh, you should do a, a podcast on that. I really should, yeah. Um, I should. It's great. We'll, we'll have to talk about that. Um, but yeah, so, so so you know, I, I'm at the stage of my life where I'm trying to get a little more freedom, and I've literally cut down to 50 hours a week. I've never done that in my life. This is the first time I've ever worked less than 80 hours a week. So, so I'm going to ask you a ta- I, I, I'm going to ask I, I, you a tacky question. I'm going to ask okay. you a tacky question. Sure. Okay. So at 1500 agents, yeah. at 1500 people that you're sponsoring, mm-hmm. okay? Um, I'm going to ask you two tacky questions. First of all, when you introduce somebody to EXP, is it, it do you have to sell them? Are you selling them Mary Kay? Are you having to twist their arms or is this a difficult process number 1? And number 2, when you have 1500 agents, around about how much money is that going to mean to you per year? Sure. So the first question is, I don't twist anybody's arms. Um, I share with them. They get it great. If they don't get it, I, I move on. Uh, I don't chase people. I'm not going to – just like I did it with my, with my company. I don't beg people to join us. If they get it, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for people who are looking for us, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I'm looking for. And I actually stole that from Rob Flick, uh, who I was with the other day. Uh, it's just a great line because that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for people that get it. And, and that's what I want. I don't really want to be sitting there someone's complaining because, you know, I don't really like the Facebook page. You know, I don't really want to deal with that. I want to deal with people that are cool. Um, I used to be cool at one point in my life, so I'm trying to bring it back. Then um, money-wise, so 1500 is my minimum I can retire on, and that's about 80000 to to $100,000 a month, a little bit more. Okay, so listeners, and here's the way, it, and it's it's interesting again because I'm studying this so I can so I can be better prepared for these interviews, is that on average, and this is not this is just your humble you know podcast host saying this, but it's around a thousand dollars after you get past 200 agents that you've recruited, it averages out to be about a thousand dollars per agent per year um, that you uh, bring on, and and I thought it was very fascinating what he said, and this is the other thing I've heard from everybody. He said, we're looking for people who are looking for us. That falls in perfect alignment with what some of you guys have heard from our show before. When there's a lesson to be learned, a teacher will arise. In other words, if you're not looking for it, you're not going to find it. And if you think back to the things that have been most significant that have happened in your lives, um, it's always been because you were looking for it. If you – someone could come up – you know, this is the secret. This is what you've been looking for. This is going to solve all your problems. But if you're not in the place where you're going to be receptive to what that message is, you're going to – it's going to get by you. 
And all of us have had those experiences where we're like, damn, I heard that five years ago. Why didn't I do something about it now? Well, I mean, it's because you weren't ready for it. And that's really, at the end of the day, what this – that's the interesting thing that I find so attractive about this model is they don't try to sell anybody. It really is just basically – if you're ready to be part of it, if there's a lesson to be learned, a teacher will arrive, arise. And some of you listening right now, that's exactly where you are. So as you as we round the bend on today's podcast, I want to say thank you very much for being my co-host. Actually, I wrote down a bunch of things that I'm going to steal from you. But when doing so, I will credit them back. <laughs> uh, but is there anything else you'd like to say to the potentially millions of people who will be listening to this over time? Um, just um, don't let your – let me see. Don't say no to something you don't know what you're saying no about. I love that line. Yeah, I like that too. Can't think of a better way to end today's show. Um, so, listen, I really appreciate uh, your time today. Thank you for, frankly, thank you for being a, a beacon to so many agents. Listeners, I, whatever happens next in your careers, whatever decisions that you make in your careers, please do take into consideration everything that you've just heard. I know some of you listen to these podcasts because they're not short. You listen to them over time, and that's fine. Um, please write down, listen to it again, write down the things that had impact on you. Write down the things that you heard that you found to be a little bit uh, grating to you, and then ask yourself why. If there was anything, I can't think of anything that would have been, but if there's anything that Mitch or I said that was uh, a little bit in conflict with your current belief structure – Take that as an opportunity for you to maybe question your belief structure because that's what this market is going to force all of us to do, whether we want it to or not. It's going to force us to face our beliefs about what it takes to be successful in this business, and frankly, maybe even beyond that, just like the last recession did. Not going to be as bad as it was in 07, but it's certainly going to be an eye-opener for a lot of folks. So, Mitch, thank you very much for being my podcast co-host today. I sincerely appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on board. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.